Turn up the radio and sing along. It's time for another great song. This is the Great Song Podcast. Season's greetings and welcome once again to the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Alley. I am Jeremy Motor. And we're here to celebrate the greatest songs in modern music history. We're going to tell you what makes them great, why we think they're awesome, and why you should too. JP, how you doing today, man? Man, I am doing fantastic. Who in here would like to see a puppet show minus the puppets? Let me see a show of hands. Me. Show of hands. Man, that's great. <laughs> okay, that's good stuff. I'm actually giving away a puppet a after show the show after this episode i have a puppet no strings attached i'm giving it away okay okay i'm done All right. i'm tapped robin up this tell what wow. song we're covering today and by who jeff dunham over here <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about the meat puppets today let's kick it off with the big hit from their 1994 monster album too high to die this is backwater is for Rob, ladies and gentlemen. Come on. This is his uh, happy place. I have been, yes, I've been wanting to cover this album. I love this album so much. Uh, this is one of my, gosh, ooh, it could sneak into my top 10. This is probably one of my top 15 albums of all time, for sure. Um, and it might make the top 10 in my old age. Um, Too High to Die by the Meat Puppets um, is like a, was a kind of an eye-opening thing for me. This is the album that made me go, um, man, there's there's something to this alternative music. Like, up, <laughs> up to that point. So when this album came out, I was 13. Okay. Um, and, like, uh, you know... I had grew I had grown up listening to like mostly country music and like southern gospel and just your classic rock, right? Uh-huh. Your Bob Seeger, your Chicago, you yeah. know, that kind of stuff, right? And so like when Nirvana hit and and everything kind of shifted, and you know, I and I knew some eighties rock, but not a, not even a ton at that point. But I went, What is this? This is dirty. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like not even like materially, just uh-huh. like I don't like the way this makes me feel. Yeah. And like, um, and so I, and then I, I came along with that with an assumption that musically it wasn't good, that it wasn't, (laughs) um, you know what I mean? That it was, that it, let's see how I can put this, that the musicianship of the grunge era was as sludgy as the music sounded. Okay? Okay. I operated with that assumption. Okay. Not true at all. Now, some of it, some of it I still hate, right? <laughs> but, um, but anyway, this album, Too High to Die by Meat Puppets, was one of the first albums that I heard in that style, maybe the first album that I heard in that style, um, that I went, 
Oh, there's something to this. I can, I think this probably kind of hand in hand with the Nirvana Unplugged album, which we will talk about. Um, went, you know, I went. Oh, there's actual songs in here with actual <laughs> melodies and chords. You yeah. know what I mean? It's yeah. not just bleh, which was my kind of first impression of alternative music. So, huge album for me. I love this album. And we are talking to Derek Bostrom of the Meat Puppets there today. There we go. We got we got a Meat Puppet dude. And I, you know what I think? I, I, you could, I, I think you can tell pretty quickly he knows that we're posers, right? Like he's yeah, I, I get that. Yeah, I it's, see what you're and saying. it's fine. It, I'm I'm the the first to admit that I'm not a real one when it comes to like <laughs> punk music, you yeah. know, which is what Meat Puppets kind of originally were. Yeah. Um. And so whatever, right? He saw right through us as like you guys are corporate losers or whatever. But that's fine. It's cool to get. It's cool to get kind of um, called out. Called out by one of your heroes. In yeah, the room. you know. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. So you can you guys can tune in for that later. It's all right. Bo Jackson and me didn't get along so great either. <laughs> so there you go. Bo Jackson would break you over his knee like he broke that bat. So I got uh, for our listeners. I met Bo Jackson, and for you Bo Jackson fans out there that listen to this episode, he won the Heisman. Yeah, but he was really close to losing the Heisman to a guy named Chuck Long. And the time I met Bo Jackson, I was like, "Hey, it's a good thing I couldn't vote in the Heisman. I'd have voted for Chuck Long." Oh my word! And I thought that's hilarious. Why this would guy, you do that? I don't know. And he's like, "That's not funny." <laughs> So we take a picture, and I'm like, I get one more shot with Bo Jackson. Here we go. So I'm like, Bo, I never got to see you play baseball. I was like, what's your walk-up song? It's a good question for Bo Jackson. Yeah, for and sure. he's like, I don't care about the music. He's like, I'm up there to hit. Okay. And that's my two moments with Bo Jackson. Well. But I have a picture to confirm it. <laughs> Does so he we, look grumpy? Uh, he smiled. He faked it. We uh, it's, I, I made a sign that uh, says Bo knows Athens. Because <laughs> that's where I'm from. There you go. Um, so yeah. So, but Derek was a lot nicer than Bo Jackson. Sure, he gets he gets a little gruff with us at one point. He's like, "Can we move on?" Like you know. So it's great. But but you know what though? It's everything. If 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 he had come off like um, super bubbly like, or bubbly and polite and chipper and whatever, <laughs> it probably would have felt yeah. like a little bit of letdown. I wanted him to be a little prickly, that's and right. he was. Uh-huh. So that's like good. that feels to me like. The meat puppets are who I expected them to be, uh-huh. you know. Um, so they would be called the candy puppets if he was like that, but they're not. They're the meat it's puppets. Me, it's it's right. meat puppets. Me, we got doggone meat puppets, yeah. you know. Um, so yeah, okay. So here's what we're gonna do today. We're gonna we're gonna kind of cover this album. Okay, Backwater is the biggest hit of for the meat puppets period, and the biggest hit off this album commercially. Um, now, if you're a hardcore like alternative connoisseur you might be like uh meat puppets why'd you uh, pick the, the commercial too high hit? to die was the, the the commercial you know hit why that one mm-hmm. meat puppets two forever and i'm not going to argue that with you that's fine go back in the back catalog it's great go forward in the catalog it's great too but this was the one that did it for me and got me in on both meat puppets and alternative music as a larger spectrum so and this is rob's wheelhouse so i'm gonna let him run with a lot of this and i'm gonna be sprinkling get ready for a so, lot of me here we go all right uh me puppets so we're gonna go i'm gonna kind of go a little bit track by track because this is such a worthy uh a worthy album that it's and it, here you're gonna find a theme really quick that's something really interesting to me about the meat puppets um and and kind of unique to me among all uh you know kind of alternative acts um and that is major melodies 
okay. and major chords, chords. Okay. in heavier sounding music, which is you, rare. You That's heard it point. right away on Backwater. That's good. It's um, you know, the first melody note is a major three. It's like uh, let, let me hit it back one more time. It's heavy guitars. And so you have this kind of expectation that it's going to be like, you're here, you know, you want to, you think James Hetfield yeah. has come in with a, you know, everything minor or like Locrian or like, you know, whatever. But uh, you get this, right? So we're major right away. And then the, the, the melody for the verse is coming in major two. It's going to start on a major third. And into a two major, into a flat six major, into a one. It's really cool. All right. And then your chorus is major and everything. But they're good. So they do a lot of this major one to, like, for example, uh, on this, uh, I think we're in E here. Okay, I was going to say, so um, that'd be an F sharp major chord? So it'd be, yeah, an F sharp major, that second chord. And then the chorus is going to go one, six minor. Flat six major, flat seven major. Okay. They do a lot of that major one to flat six kind of movement kind of throughout the album. Let's take a listen to this. That's a one, six, C sharp minor, C, D, E. And the other thing that you're going to hear a lot through this album that I love and really as a guitar player kind of changed my life is a lot of the uh, add nine chord in uh, different applications. So we've talked, I think, before about the add nine chord with Sony from Hootie and the Blowfish, that add nine chord at the beginning of um, Hold My Hand, right? That first B chord is a B add nine. It's where you're like, it doesn't have a third in it at all. It's root, fifth, root, nine, fifth. Um and you get that as the one chord in Hold My Hand, right? It's but here and in a lot of these places, they're using that same chord shape, chord spelling in different. Um, not on the one. Not on the one. So like mm-hmm. here it's being used in a flat six and a flat seven chord. So that C and the D is a C add nine, uh-huh. D add nine. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Or C two, D two, depending on how you want to call it. You know, some people like to call it that. I don't think that's pure purely accurate, but <laughs> let's call it. <laughs> and we know you nine. meat puppets, aficionados care about chord spelling. It's right. <laughs> it's all about the accuracy, dude. Um so anyway, you're going to hear a lot of those things, major melodies, and you're going to hear a lot of that add nine chord in different places than you kind of might expect it. Um, so, but I'm going to kind of walk us through track by track on this a Let's little bit and just just play Bro. a little bit of, uh, you know, whatever. A little backstory on the album quickly, and then we'll hit some tracks. Um, the, of course, the album is 1994's uh, Too High to Die. Um, the... It was the eighth album by the Meat Puppets. Like, they had been around for a while. The actual band itself, I think, started in the late 70s. But I think the actual Meat Puppets album. So, uh, Derek and Derek, Derek was in a band and ended up hooking up with one of the Kirkwood brothers um, in a different band. And then eventually, Meat Puppets happened early 80s. and so this was their eighth album. They had been around for a while. This album went to number one on the Billboard Heat Seekers chart and number 62 on the top 200. Um, and it was definitely their most commercially successful you know, album. Um, and it was kind of riding uh, on the back of 
their their appearance on Nirvana's MTV Unplugged album, which came out the year before, um, which we'll which we'll talk about in a second. Not too much because one day we're going to do a rivalry. We on that are because I love it and, and, you hate and it. I, I can't stand that album. So I've, I'm already prepped for it. I told Rob <laughs> before, like we could do it right like, now. Let's, let's do it. Let's go. Time. Take the gloves off. <laughs> um, okay. Oh man, this is not the uh, episode to admit that I don't like that album. I'm going to get tons of hate <laughs> on this right. one. Poser. Uh, that's right. Poser. All right. Um, the the album is certified gold. Um, and like I said, it's one of the first one of the first alternative albums that I connect with you know it's number 24 on guitar world's 50 iconic albums that defined 1994 um of which i believe super unknown is number one but it is between uh marilyn manson's portrait of an american family and the self-titled motley crew album on that list it is number nine on alternative nations alternative rock albums of 1994 list which to me feels like the more um the more proper list for it to sit in. I mean, Guitar World is a, is a broader list. I'm just saying it, you know, in that sort of alternative space like this, you yeah. know, kind of belongs there. Let's walk it through and then we'll talk a little meat puppets here and there as we go. Let's go back. This is the beginning of the album. This is the first thing you hear when you pop on uh, Too High to Die. The first track you get is called Violet Eyes. And man, this just puts me in a place from the very beginning. They're just like... There is no limit to the amount of distortion I want on this. <laughs> but it never comes off harsh. It never comes off mean. But good night, that riff is mean. I mean, that riff will take your lunch money. <laughs> Major melody. And harmony. Harmony throughout the whole album. Really good harmony. But this is just, I mean, this is furious. I love the little shimmy. Dude. But it's all major. Or like Mixolydian. Come on. That's just awesome. That's Violet Eyes. Y'all are going to love this album by the time. If you've never heard of this or if you've never listened to it, you're going to love it by the time I get done. Because I, I, this is like... Um, I'm like an evangelist for this album, you know, <laughs> I'm gonna take up an offering at the end. Um, this, so Violet Eyes actually has, I won't play it, but for the sake of time, but it actually has two simultaneous guitar solos that are happening over the top of each other, split pan left and right. So you get to the middle of the song and there's one solo on the right side, a different solo on the left side. They have nothing to do with each other. <laughs> and then they meet at the end for this unison, like split octave unison riff. Boom. It's like a, a, a Lydian riff. There's some real music going on in this. I mean, I just, I just love <laughs> this does stuff to me, dude. Um, Okay, then, all right, track two, you get Never To Be Found, and this is sort of the, this is where, this kind of sound is where Meat Puppets kind of differentiate themselves from a lot of alternative music. It's the, the, the term that gets kind of thrown for them is cow punk. It's like <laughs> punk with elements of like uh, country, you know what I mean? Stuff like that, like pasture rock. Um <laughs> And so you get like this clean, but still, still alternative, you know, it's not all just grungy guitars. It's not grunge. This music is not grunge. There's those add nine chords and major melodies. 
on your left side, you've got this. That's that at nine sound. So the drums are doing some great stuff. Split like some some uh, active hi-hat on one side and some either more different hi-hat or some percussion on the other side. Um, you know, that's just a really fun song. Um, all these songs are like, the, <laughs> so Kurt writes these lyrics that are like, they just don't make any sense. Like of, of all the <laughs> yeah. albums I've ever listened to, yeah. percentage-wise, the amount of lyrics that don't make sense, it's the highest on this one of anything I've ever listened to. <laughs> there, there are no songs that you just sit down and go, obviously this song is about, it's you know this. what I mean? Yeah. You, you broke up with somebody. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not, it's like, all these lyrics are trippy, dude. And I don't know if any of them mean anything or if they're just so metaphorically inside of his head that it's like, you know, you, there's no way you would ever find them. We know some meat uh, puppet aficionados that are listening to this are like, of course this means this. Yeah, duh. It's about corporate America, it's you what, idiot. That's right. Like, of course. Uh, okay, then we're going to go to track three, uh, which was the other hit uh, off of this album, the other, like, single that got some play. This is We Don't Exist. Listen to this freaking... Another great riff coming here in a second. He's getting it on the bass, too. Pedal tone. Then. I love the little giddy up in the riff. Guitar sound really good right there. Oh, amazing. There's so much good, like, um, layered guitar, like two guitars playing the same parts, but split left and right on this album. This was nominated for Best Rock Video. That was my um, one note I had. Okay. <laughs> Do you know what it lost to? No. All right, it lost to More Human Than Human by White Zombie. Or Rob Zombie. Was that White Zombie or Rob Zombie? I think maybe White Zombie. Anyway, major melody, major chords, but heavy guitars that are always smooth. The 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 no matter how distorted the guitars get on this album, and they get very 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 distorted. <laughs> it's always smooth, yeah. and I don't know if that was a not a Rob Thomas Santana smooth. <laughs> that's right. Just yes. to clarify, yes, it is a hot one um, out there in Arizona <laughs> where the meat puppets are from. But um, the it's I don't know if that was on the player end. Or on the mix end, right? Okay. That those, you know what I'm saying? If they did it in post or they yeah, did it. Yeah, like I wonder, I'm curious if that was a smooth sound coming out of the amp or if it was a sound that got smoothed out by EQ. It almost seems like it has to have been captured that way because it's it's so, there's nothing ever harsh about these guitars, which is really hard to do when you start distorting and compressing guitars, electric guitars like that. I mean, y you have to work hard to keep harsh frequencies from you know from coming through and it not sounding like super duper duper squeeze yeah um but they they've got it on this album so it makes me think that maybe he just had a really smooth sound um you know coming coming from his guitar through his amp um all right let's do another one that will take a break and meet the band okay. so this is track four this is severed goddess hand this one is they have several songs on here that are just like just feel good. Um, again, we're going major melody, 
harmonies, great melody, great melodies through this whole album. And little riffs here and there, like here's some nice harmony on the chorus. Interesting chords, five, flat seven, or a one, flat three with a key change, depending <laughs> on your perspective, because now it's going back up to the one originally. So anyway, it's like a it's like a nice breezy vibe. You know what I mean? It's so pleasant. This album is really rocky, but really pleasant. You know, and I I think that's part in part to due to the kind of major nature of a lot of the songs um in and the vocals are always delivered like in this mostly in this kind of baritone range nobody's trying nobody's, to be sebastian bach yeah, exactly you know um and it's like but nobody's crash test dummies either no it's, that's <laughs> right we're not yeah um you know it's just like and his and the vocals are not um they're not like out front rock vocals. It, 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 well, like, the backing vocal, the harmony part is almost in the mix with it. Like yes, especially on choruses, like you there, the lead vocal is not so far out front. Yeah, it's almost duet, mm-hmm. right? And everything is so low key vocally. And they sound similar vocal delivery true. wise. Yeah, so, and they're brothers. Yeah. You know, it makes sense. So, and we'll we'll meet the brothers. We have in the just same last name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like uh, you know, it's just um, it's just unique. To, to, to me, I, I find it very, just very pleasing. I just love this whole album. Um, okay, let's take a minute. Let's meet the meat puppets. Let's meet them. Hey, let's meet the man. It's time to meet the man. Hey, mama, let's meet the man. Let's all meet the band. Hey! Let's right, so meet, M-E-A-T. We are going to meet the meat puppets um, on bass guitar and vocals and illustrations. Uh, Chris Kirkwood uh, picked up the banjo after watching the movie Deliverance. Now, confession, I haven't seen this movie, but I kind of know the premise. I had some joke ideas I was going to go here, but I can't really land one. Okay. So insert your joke of choosing there. He got addicted <laughs> to heroin and retreated to his house in Arizona with his wife in virtual isolation. Um, and she actually died from a drug overdose. And nice. then in 2003, he got in an argument with a lady over a parking spot. And when the security guard stepped in, he began beating the security guard with his own baton. Oh, no. The security guard <laughs> shot him in the back, and then Chris went to jail. Yes. Um, and there he met Jerry Poson, who's the drummer for Steppenwolf. Really? And apparently they played jazz together in prison. Okay. Um, but there aren't any recordings of this around, but apparently they had a little jazz thing set up in prison. Okay. Him and- Make the most of it. That's you right. Know? <laughs> when you're in there. Um, his brother on guitars, vocals, and paintings um, yeah. carried on the Meat Puppets with the name... Um, with a gentleman named Kyle Ellison on guitar, Andrew Duplantis on bass, and Shandon uh, Sam, or Sam, depending on how you pronounce it, on drums, on an album called Golden Lies. Um, after this version of the Meat Puppets, he formed the band Eyes Adrift with Bud Gaw. Uh, he's the sublime guitarist and okay. the bass player for Nirvana, uh, Chris. Chris Novoselic. Yeah. Novoselic. Yeah. He's a dad of twins, and sometimes one of his sons, Elmo, even plays with the Meat Puppets. Yeah, now. that's cool. So that's kind of neat. And then Derek on drums, also on paintings, who we uh, 
talk to afterwards. So. Yeah. All the meat, the meat puppets, uh, most of their albums have these sort of very uh, distinct looking painted covers that they, they like, you can look at a piece and go, that looks like a meat puppets cover, yeah. you know, kind of. Um, and they have like, a lot of times like they'll have like weird looking creatures or something, you know, I don't know like as much about the meat puppets, um, obviously as Rob. And when I was looking back through the albums, I had to keep bouncing back through cause I can't tell by the cover yeah like which one is which right because like, i'm not as familiar with them enough and it, normally there's things about an album cover that'll set it apart and you're like oh that one's that one but they're all very it's painted just another yeah, piece it, of meat puppets art yeah yeah mm-hmm. it's kind of like a it's like the uh the nfts that are like you know oh yeah this one's a monkey and this one's a monkey with a hat and this yeah. one's a monkey with a cigar, <laughs> cigar and a hat yeah. and glasses <laughs> yeah. like it's you know some of it is is very like that Let's keep moving. Oh, I'll, I will say this because it, it, I wanted to not clarify, just add on to what you were talking about, that there have been like a couple of breakups over the years mm-hmm. and reunitings, you know what I mean? And so I think the last reuniting was in 2006 and it's kind of been the, you know, mostly the original lineup since then. Um, but, and, and definitely, like you said, some big ins and outs, you know, yeah. uh, it's not been, it's not been, not been fluid. Yeah. It's the- not been fluid. It's not been easy or, or always pleasant. But um, it wasn't rush three piece. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like consistent all the way through. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's rock and roll and rock and roll is hard sometimes. And rock and roll does especially weird, cow weird things to people. Um, all right. Let's do let's do track five. Flaming heart. This has got some layered. You've got clean guitars and then distorted guitars, heavy distorted, but underneath them, you know. And I'll I'll say on this one, you have your first appearance of a slightly minor melody. Okay. Now, major melody here, okay, but on the chorus, um you might even call this a refrain when they're singing Flaming Heart, the word the lyrics, you get some a slightly minor thing. Let me get it for you. Let's see. But it's so very, it's almost not even there. It's almost like an affectation just to be able to repeat Ooh, look that, at that word. Yeah, how about that? You like that? Yeah. You like that? Uh, all right. Then we're going to track six, Shine, which is just adorable. This is like, this is past your rock, you know? <laughs> One of the things I really love about this is once the, once the, groove comes in i almost hesitate to call it a groove but it's like just just adorable percussion all over the place like a little a go-go's or bits of whatever let me kick, kick some of that in Tomo. you just got these little like things happening and nice acoustics more uh, add nine chords they love that flat six to flat seven but both with an add nine come on that's adorable shaker cowbell acoustic solo it just makes me feel good. All right, station track seven. This guitar melody will live in your head forever. 
More major melody and more one major to two major in the chorus, in the verse. All right, listen to the lyrics on this chorus. This is typical Kurt Kirkwood. What? Pigs are sheep and cats are dogs and thoughts are made of Lincoln logs. That's about <laughs> typical of... There's a bunch of weird stuff through this whole album. There's a some some uh, high-pitched German. There's a finger mouth solo where you do the like... Uh, and there's like a, a, a whistling thing in the outro. Um, one of the... Actually, I love the, the thing about the outro. This, he's whistling. And the whistling keeps going for just a second after the song actually stops. Like... Listen. Huh? Huh? Like the whistle goes over one note. You know what I uh, mean? Okay. Everything goes da 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 bop bop, and the the whistle goes da 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 bop bop bop, like out there by itself. <laughs> I love that. Then you got this track is so dope, dude. This is called Roof of the Hole, and this is uh like alternative blues. At its peak. It doesn't get better. There's some minor for you. This is minor, right? This is your... You finally got something minor. And this is just a straight up like dope blues rock song. Little Joe Walsh lick there. Acoustic guitar went away. It's still there, but it's... It's buried. Yeah. You mostly hear the strum of just the, the striking of the strings. This song is awesome. From the wall to the I think we're in F sharp minor here. And only an outline still remains. Great melody. And then you go. The roof's got a hole in it. And everything's been ruined by the rain. A lot of chord movement for a blues song, but it doesn't feel like too much. Sliding chords. Yeah, sliding chords, passing chords, that kind of thing. It's great, dude. I love that. Um, okay, then you hit Backwater, which is which was the big hit. Um, we'll skip over because we kind of played it at the beginning. Um, then you have Things, big drum solo, great, great sounding. Again with that super distorted. Listen to this harmonic. That's so distorted, but it's so smooth. A little tambourine action coming yeah, in. Yeah, buddy. That's Robin Wilson from Gin Blossoms. <laughs> that Tempe, uh, Arizona thing. <laughs> Not James Labrie. Not James. <laughs> Again, you got some, some acoustic layered in there. Some really nice... Uh, I'll skip ahead to the, uh, to the chorus and get some nice harmonies. It's so nice. A little, maybe uh, maybe some Blue Oyster Cult territory here. Yeah, that's good. Do some to me. 
those smooth but chill harmonies over a heavier sound. Um, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna speed through the rest of these. Uh, why is this clean country style? I do not have the precision to play this kind of arpeggiated thing for three minutes. <laughs> I don't. I'll mess it up. But it's so accurate. <laughs> My hand would be cramping, dude. <laughs> but they nailed it. All right, then you've got, and that that also has a great key change. Anyway, go back. Um, this is "Evil Love," another one of I think only two minor melodies on the whole album. Twelve tracks in, we've got our second minor melody. More just alternative, like you just did, you know, whatever. Coming down, John Denver could have recorded this song. This is just a great song. Like, and you get some nice. It's just this is just a country song, you know. But at the end, you get some great harmony. This could be the intro to Jackass too. Like, <laughs> here we get this. This is their coming down from the mountain. I have seen their Seven Bridges Road. Yeah. Take that, Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> coming down, coming down from the mountain. I have seen the lofty glory. I will go again someday. But for now, I'm coming down. Come on. You can't. And then you've got at the very end, which is going to lead me into another conversation, um, you've got a re recorded version of their song, Lake of Fire, which I'll go ahead and get into this. Actually, after this, let's stump the genius, and let's then do it. Uh, and then then I'll talk about the rest. So this is Lake of Fire, which you may know from the Nirvana Unplugged album uh, because it's one of several songs uh, by the Meat Puppets that appeared on that album, which is an interesting thing in itself. And we'll talk more about that in a second. But first, I think it's time to stump the genius. Let's start talking. Stump the genius. your part. All right, guys, we're going to play Stump the Genius, Name That Meat Band. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm going to play five songs I bet you don't know. Okay, okay. I'm going to give you five band names. So write down these band names or type them down or write them someplace on a scratch piece of paper. Um, And we're going to see which song I play that goes with which band. Okay. So first band, write down the band Rib Tip. Okay. King Beef. Okay. Sausage. Okay. Swinging Steaks. All right. And Beef Terminal. Okay. All right. There's our five bands. <laughs> I'm going to play a song, and then you're just going to keep up with this. Here's right. song one. Okay. The song's called Long Way Down. Okay. <laughs> okay. Do you want to get right. some vocal? Do you want some? Yeah, I'm going to need to probably okay. hear some vocals on these. Where once there was a garden. I think that's... Got to get it. Just keep okay. a guess. Keep a guess. I'm oh, not going to tell oh, you as you okay, go, because okay, that would okay. help you too much. Okay, all right. Ready? Yeah. Here we go. Number two. This song is called How We Ended Up Under the Wheels. Okay. Oh. There are no vocals in this. Okay. Okay. All right. Next. This song's called Wingman. Oh, sorry. Okay. We'll have to edit this one. Okay. All right. This song is called Ecstasy. Ooh. Oh. 
Okay. okay. All right. I'm not feeling confident on that one. All right. Okay. And this song is called Toys 1988. I like this. Oh, dang. That's, okay, I was like, that sounds like Primus. That's Les Claypool, for sure. 100% that's Les Claypool. Okay. And I think I'm going to... I, I okay, think I'm go. actually going to switch. You're going to switch. Play me the first one one more time. All right. I, okay. changed, I changed one because of that last song. Okay, here we go. Number one, go ahead and guess. What do we think this is? All right, I think this is King Beef. This is Swinging Steaks. Crap. Okay. Can't change your answers. Nope. Got them locked. All right, I guessed Beef Terminal. Beef Terminal. Hey. Ding, 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 ding. Did we fix Where's, the bell? Uh, oh, wait. Here it is. Yay. All right. All right, he got one. Here we go. Step in the club. I guessed Rib Tip. Okay, that is King Beef. Dang it. Is that racist? Am I racist? No. <laughs> Okay. What did you guess uh, here? For number four, I guess Swinging Steak. This is Rib Tip. Dang it. And this this is Toys. And so number five has to be Sausage. Sausage. I there guess Sausage. Okay. I got two. So he got two. Name that meat man. Wow. A little tougher on that That was one. awesome. And that, also, I, ha- I didn't know that Les Claypool had a side project called Sausage, yeah, but I'm going to well, go find it. There you go. I was like, immediately I went, this gives me big Primus vibes, and now I know why. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. Name that meat band. Okay. Well done. <laughs> Name that meat band. Uh, all right. A little more on uh, meat puppets, uh, and then I'll play you... Um, Nothing else, probably, because uh, we'll uh, we'll save the Nirvana stuff for the for the Nirvana discussion that will come at some point later, when we're ready to get in a huge fight. And um, don't leave yet, guys. We got Derek at the end. Yeah, no, Derek's going to yell at us. It's going to be awesome, you guys. Uh, okay, so if you don't know Meat Puppets from the Too High to Die album, and you're not an alternative music diehard, you probably then know them from Nirvana's Unplugged album in 1993 which uh, Too High to Die followed and capitalized on the success of, right? I mean, that Unplugged album was huge. It was the last Nirvana album before Kurt died. Um, And so that made it even more legendary and kind of haunting. Um, And so what happened was Chris and Kurt played, came up on stage. I don't know if you you are familiar with that album. You'll probably remember there's a point at which the, the it kind of slows down for a second. There's some stuff going around, and and Kurt uh, Cobain says these are the meat puppets, right? And and um, and then they talk for a minute, and you know, to, to do a couple things, <clears throat> uh, and they talk about like which Kurt is Kurt and which Chris is Chris, because yeah. now there are two Kurts and two Chris's on Kurt's stage. And, Chris's, yeah. um, and so then they proceed to do three meat puppets songs nirvana covers three meat puppet songs with chris and kurt in the middle of this nirvana unplugged album which i think is very cool very generous of nirvana to use Absolutely. their platform to lift up a band that they loved how dope is that how many people would, would do that you know what i mean three songs is a lot three to- songs is a lot and to be like we're gonna bring them on stage you know what i mean that's another level of shine uh-huh. like you know it's one thing to do a cover you know what I mean? Uh, and tons of people would do that, right? A cover. Uh, but a lot of times a cover comes off to like show your cred. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? So like, and I'm just saying, let's say, uh, you know, let's say Britney Spears is doing a show or whatever, and she decides to do an Elton John cover, right? It's like a tribute and homage, but also like it kind of shows your cred with a certain crowd and like, I know real music, you uh-huh. know, whatever, right? It, it shows that you are expanded beyond what people think you might be. In the know. Yeah, um, but this is like next level. I mean, this is like 
you know, <laughs> they're literally not only are we covering three of their songs on this album that's going to be massive, but we're bringing them on stage to do, to do it because we, yeah. you know, love them so much. That's very cool. They played Plateau, Oh Me, and Lake of Fire, uh, which are all from the Meat Puppets 2 um, record, which if you are a like Meat Puppets diehard is probably your album. That's probably for the non-commercial Meat Puppets crowd. Meat Puppets 2 is probably the peak um, you know, most successful, most beloved album. And so you get about, you know, maybe a third of that record appearing on this huge Nirvana unplugged <laughs> album, which is, you know, great. Um, let's see. They started as a kind of a straight punk band, um, but they delved into like acid rock and this country Western kind of thing. Um, and they, you know, they said part of it was they just wanted to like subvert expectations of crowds. They got sick of playing like, heavy 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 uh-huh. and being punky 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 and decided to like mix it up a little bit let's mix it up and just kind of tick off the crowds and they kind of got some jollies off of like disappointing and angering the crowds that were coming out <laughs> to see them a little bit by like you know doing some doing some stuff that wasn't what they expected they came up you know kind of looking for a rager and uh and ended up getting this you know this little ding 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 you know whatever um they were on a label uh, for a long time, a like an indie label um, called SST Records, which we talked to Derek about, which is a, a legendary label for like punk and and early like proto alternative uh, acts like Violent Femmes and Gun Club, um, and they were you know a big part of that and maybe the maybe the biggest act on that label you know for a certain period of time. And uh, here's one more interesting note. Uh, I think this might be my last note on on them before we go talk to Derek. Um, there was a period of time where John Frusciante was this close to being in meat puppets. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, he auditioned to join the band in 1992 after leaving red hot chili peppers. Uh, Chris Kirkwood said, quote, he showed up with his guitar out of its case and barefoot. Uh, we were on a major label then we just got signed. Um, and those guys had blown up to where they were at and John needed to get out. John gets to our pad and we started getting ready to play. And I said, you want to use my tuner? He said, no, I'll bend it in, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> like such a guitar player thing to say, no, I'll bend it in. Um, and he said it was so far out. His guitar was so far <laughs> out. Of then we jammed, but it didn't come to anything. Maybe he wasn't in the right place and we were a tight little unit. They had been going, you know, they're seven albums deep by this point. Um, he said it just didn't quite happen, but it could have worked, which makes sense. I could, I could see for Shanti blending in, you know, yeah, his sound, like tone-wise yeah. and style-wise, yeah. And as a, you know, like um, live, they're, they're, a, they're a one guitar outfit, you know what I mean? It's like, a, it's guitar, bass, and drums. Yep. So like to, to have added a full-blown- That might actually helped him live, Second for sure. guitarist, yeah, could have added, you know, another layer. So that would have been interesting to hear at the very least, um, you know, for Shante with, with them. But hey, now for Shante's back- Kind of uh, where he's always belonged with Chili Peppers, and you know things things work themselves out. So, all right, that is my treatise for you on the Meat Puppets. I hope you guys have enjoyed this special presentation. Uh, I've been waiting so long to be able to just share some love about this. I know I've mentioned it a couple times throughout here and there, um, but to finally get to do it is awesome, and to get to talk to Derek Bostrom from the Meat Puppets uh, 
was super dope. And if we play our cards right, maybe next week we'll get to talk about one of my favorites there that we go. never leaves my top 10. There we go. Absolutely. So uh, we're going to go now and talk to Derek Boston from the Meat Puppets. But first, I need you to stop and do one thing. That's grab your phone. You're probably already holding it. So just switch apps for just a second. Go to Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Give us a follow at Great Song Pod. If you want to go a little deeper and be part of the community, then uh, go to the Great Song Podcast Facebook group, which is called Great Songs and the Great People Who Love Them Greatly. If you want to go the extra mile and be a producer of the show, like uh, a few of our closest friends uh, have done, you can go to patreon.com slash great song pod. And when you support us on Patreon, you get bonus goodies. I won't go through them all. It would take all day. But you get <laughs> bonus goodies uh, when you support us as our way of saying thank you uh, and showing our appreciation back to you. So you can do that by going to patreon.com slash great song pod. We're going to go talk to Derek Bostrom from the Meat Puppets. He's going to yell at us. And then we'll be back at the end to tuck you in. This is the Great Song Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, as promised, we are here with Derek Bostrom of the Meat Puppets. Derek, thank you so much for joining us today on the Great Song Podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Excellent. We are so excited to talk to you. I cannot overstate the the uh, significance of the first time I heard the Too High to Die album. It was like getting hit by a freight train, <laughs> a musical, wonderful, weird freight train. And uh, it, it literally just it impacted me in a, in a huge way. So uh, first, I just want to say, Thanks for being part of of an album that really kind of changed my life. I appreciate it so much. You're you're certainly welcome. Did you uh, listen, hear it when it came out, or did you uh, get into it later? I no, I was around when it came out, and so uh, let me let me just start here. I guess my yeah. my first exposure to the Meat Puppets, uh, like like so many people of my generation, was the Nirvana Unplugged appearance uh, with with uh, you know with Kurt and Chris up there with the other Kurt and Chris, uh, you know, playing three Meat Puppet songs. Um, what, what did that, yep. and then that appearance and then forever, you know, Kurt is on, on record saying these are the meat puppets. And so then people go, who the crap are the meat puppets? And now <laughs> they just look you guys up instantly on your phone and that's going to continue on forever. What did that mean for you guys? Well, the first thing it meant was, uh, we made a lot of money and that allowed <laughs> us to get off the road. I mean, seriously, sure. uh, the Nirvana unplugged album, uh, uh, did better, obviously, for us than any other record we've ever done for since, all included. Wow. So it was a it was a, a substantial windfall for us. It allowed us to get off the road, and we've been working pretty much nonstop since about 1985, because that was how we made our nut yeah. uh, touring. And we were good and sick of each other by then, so <laughs> we, uh, we we took a pretty substantial break. Um, obviously that year, it also helped us, uh, get on a very important tour with Stone Temple Pilots, which was like a, a three month extravaganza, uh, with the, the top band in, in the country. Uh, so we got to see some things in 1994 was, uh, by far and away our busiest year. I think we, uh, we were, we took, um, at least I counted like 52 airplane airplane flights, which meant we were in the air at least once a week. Yeah, um, we were burning the candle at both ends big time, and we got to see the belly of the beast good and up front and up close. And like so many bands uh, who uh, got in there, we didn't uh, survive the contact, but none of us died. And um, I mean that that's that that counts for a lot, obviously. It does because yeah. yeah, not everybody can say that. And we ended up having to buy our way out of our our contract because you know part of the 
process of um, of um, being handed these opportunities by our masters is their hope that they can bleed us dry in a quick period of time and then kick us to the curb, which of course they did. Mm. And um, they made uh, made good and sure that our follow up record didn't do anything. And then they just refused to put out anything else by us after that. So we ended up having to actually buy ourselves out of our contract so wow. that we could move forward. By that time, the three of us were not in contact at all. So poor Kurt was left to soldier on by himself until his brother rejoined. And then finally I did. And now uh, we're back together again without the monkey on our back. And I am talking about the monkey of the major labels, not any other kind of monkey. Sure. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, honestly, um, to, uh, two how did I was, was a great experience. We fought like crazy to get the thing out. Um, they, uh, the, the label, um, kept rejecting our demos for it and wouldn't let us record. And they actually finally decided, well, we don't have anything else to do with these guys, so let's have them re-record Lake of Fire and some some of their other old songs. We'll release an EP on one of our subsidiary labels and uh, get rid of them that way. Um, and in the meantime, uh, Kurt had done this song, Backwater, which um, he didn't really care for. And we didn't really care for it. <laughs> but the label was like, oh, this is radio, radio ready. Sure. <laughs> so um, and yet we uh, were never doing it, never demoing it or anything. And uh, so they kept pushing us on that. In the meantime, in the, his desperation to get greenlit for an album, Kurt included a kind of a joke song that Chris and I had done um, that was kind of a parody of um, alternative rock. Uh, and the label didn't uh, didn't note the parody aspect of it, and they said, <laughs> "This is the single. This is the single." And we were like, "Yeah, that, we're not doing this song. We're not releasing this song. This isn't a meat puppet song." And I was like, "Kurt, why did you give this to him?" And uh, Kurt was uh, annoyed because it wasn't one of his songs, and he'd been writing material for us for a decade. And suddenly, they uh, want to do this goofy song that I had written, and we flat out refused to do it. And they flat out refused to, to let us record until we did. Wow. And we, oh, uh, yeah. So so we went in and did the record saying we would do this song. In the meantime, Unplugged came out. Uh, Unplugged happened in the like fall of ni 1993. And uh, we had like pretty much, we'd gone on tour with Nirvana for like three days. And uh, they were going to go into Unplugged right after th this tour. And um, their Kurt had asked our Kurt to teach him the songs. And he was uh, so stressed out at, at it that he finally just said, why don't you guys come along? And so we, uh, you know, we were clear out on the East Coast. So we did as many shows as we could to get back to Phoenix, canceled the last bit of them so that we could back, get back to Phoenix and get on a flight to go back to New York. Um, in the meantime, it's a good thing we did because we actually got caught in a blizzard trying to get back to Phoenix. Oh, wow. We crawled back to Phoenix like with less than 24 hours before uh, my boys had to catch a flight. I mercifully was uh, not invited. Um, <laughs> I was going to ask, they, were you like, come on, guys, can you give me a shaker or something, you know? <laughs> no, no, no uh, you know, enough already. Uh, <laughs> they had they had their uh, fine drummer. Um, so... Uh, so those guys went out. They did a couple of rehearsals. Uh, MTV was aghast when they when they had heard that um, Cobain was bringing on some guest performers. He thought it would be somebody good that they'd heard of. 
<laughs> and um, you guys know Bon Jovi or something, or like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know, Elvis Presley. But uh, they were unable to talk him out of it. So um, the guys uh, were on there. Um, Kurt had a cool Buck Owens style guitar and all that stuff. And even now, uh, if you uh, were to check our uh, social media, if you you know search Meat Puppets under social media, a good sixty percent of all of it is just Nirvana related. Sure. Um, we st- struggle to get out from under their shadow. Um, we are like the, the, the we're the footnote. Uh, our career has become a Nirvana footnote from hell. <laughs> but uh, it did um, get a uh, light of fire under our label to get us, um, you know, to get our project done. So yeah. we wound up doing a whole record, and um, some of it was acoustic, some of it was um, electric. Uh, we had Paul Leary from the Butthole Surfers uh, producing. Um, and um, he obviously is somebody we'd known forever who loved us and we loved him. So thank God we had a sympathetic producer. Right. And we went out to, um, in fact, um, you know, you know, we recorded that album, don't you? I do not. You don't? I don't think so. Right in your backyard, homeboy. Really? Yep. So um, we were, I can't remember the name of the studio, but it was in Memphis. Okay. And um, it was a terrible sounding room. And it was hard for me to get comfortable, but we did manage. And uh, that's a pretty good takes, recorded tons of fish. And then um, I went back home and let the guys finish. And uh, we deli- you know, uh, <laughs> uh, our, our label guy get, comes to Memphis and goes, so I don't hear that uh, joke song of you guys is that we want to put out as a single. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, yeah, we're doing it. Don't worry, we'll do it, we'll do it. And as I recall, Kurt, had been asleep when um, the label guy showed up. So Chris had lied to him that we were going to do the song. <laughs> and um, Kurt was so pissed off, <laughs> but they actually, you know, deliver, we delivered it and they were like, yeah, fuck this. This isn't, uh, uh, isn't releasable. We're not going to do it without the song. So we had to go back in with another fella and they spent like 15 grand to have us do this stupid joke song again. And uh, then they finally rejected it and they said, whatever, we're just going to get, um, Mr. Um, Hot Mixer to to mix Backwater, and we'll release that. And wow. then they put all of the weight of their uh, of their um, you know f- the force of their strength behind that record, and made it go. And uh, to 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 be clear, um, you you need label support to make that kind of stuff happen. And uh, they put their support behind that record, and it did well. But unfortunately. Um, they ate up all of our profits. Right. So oh, after, yeah. a, after a year of us like working nonstop to promote this on record, you were so in the hole to them. Oh my God. Wow. And, uh, and then they let us um, do another record at which they allowed to sink. And then we were on our own. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. um, but that said, seeing as how this is a songwriting, uh, uh podcast and not <laughs> a, uh, not a uh, music politics pod- podcast. I will <laughs> give you the opportunity to um, to bow down before me about how much you love the songs, <laughs> which I, of course, had nothing to do with. Um, but uh, but it's funny. I uh, I, uh, I I I ha- go back and listen to this stuff. Um, you know, I was, took a twenty year hiatus from the music business because once the band uh, stopped working, I had to get a job right. to pay, pay to make ends meet. And um, rediscovering it, re-listening and getting back with the band. First of all, 
the band is awesome, and they're even more awesome with me in it. My God, what a, what a, what a tremendous musical organization. Uh, I, I love the Meat Puppets so much. They're so cool. And the words, the songs that Kurt uh, has come up with are so effing mind-boggling. Yeah. I, I can't imagine a, 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 a canon uh, by another artist, not just for its diversity, but also for the flat-out weirdness of its um of its themes yeah um i've been listening to i was listening to oh geez which one was it um that's how it goes Mm -hmm. which is from forbidden places and he go he talks about how he's um bound and determined to go his own way regardless of who it hurts and then he talks about um how badly uh it's he's gotten hurt (laughs) it's pretty funny (laughs) and then um there's a song called Things on uh, Too High to Die, which I've been listening to uh, the last couple of days. And you tell me what it's about. I, I keep thinking because of the, the current mess we're in, uh, and we're recording in spring of 2022. Hopefully uh, the mess we're in now, well, not us, but they uh, over in Europe are in, will have either will not have gotten worse by the time you drop this uh, this uh, episode. Yeah. But I keep, I keep hearing uh, songs about... Uh, about war and uh it only makes makes sense since it's a song about things which of course is what we always fight over hmm. um but uh honestly the uh the 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 the, um, the 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 songs that that kurt has come up with uh, over the years are just amazing and they continue to be uh, our last record which we did a couple of years ago uh dusty notes is um as as astounding as anything he's ever done and I've had the pleasure over the years of um, watching him work. Sometimes I, I've even given him the song titles. I think I wrote, uh, gave the, I titled about uh, three quarters of the songs on Dusty Notes just uh, <laughs> as a, a marketing slash ironic comment on the <laughs> lyrics. And uh, we always had used to have fun uh, kicking back and forth what the songs were about. And I would say, Kurt, this song is about this. And uh, he would just give me that Cheshire Cat grin. Honestly, I don't think he he works that way. I right. think he is definitely about words. When uh, when we first started working together in 1979, 1980, uh, he was um, had been, was was reading a ton of Shakespeare. Uh, he'd always um, you know pointed at Shakespeare as his main uh, uh, quote unquote inspiration, and the way he puts together words are uh, you know it's it's not as much about commentary or meaning or whatever it's just about the artistry of the words themselves and uh he leaves the uh the interpretation to others i'm glad to know that because i spent years and years trying to figure out what in the absolute world some of these songs were about and i (laughs) and i sort of reached that conclusion like you know what he's just got to be he's taking a different approach here than trying to be able to be plain about what something is about so i'm glad to know that i was kind of leaning toward the right direction the, the 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 band is called Meat Puppets for a reason, and it's um you know we are the, the vessels of our of what of what of what we do, and uh, we're not necessarily here to interpret it. Um, I'm not Dave Marsh, and uh, uh, we we just make it, and uh, yeah. it's you know it, what Kurt used to say back in the very early days when he was still cutting his teeth on being a, a public uh, person, people would um, compliment him, and he'd say, "Well, you're the one who heard it." So uh, <laughs> that's great. Uh, let me go back a little bit, ba- a little ways toward the early part when b- before the major label um, involvement, 
Um, you guys were part of the legendary indie label SST, uh, whose roster reads like a like a who's who of you know early alternative music. What was the atmosphere of SST uh, in the eighties? Um, <laughs> poverty. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> I mean, uh, there's a, a new book that uh, just came out uh, uh, just like this month about SST. Uh, Crap! I don't remember the name of the guy's uh, the guy's name off the top of my head, but they just uh, came out with a, a new book about it. Okay. And I just heard a, a podcast with our old pal um, uh, Joe Carducci talking about the early days of of SST. And um, certainly, when we were there, um, I mean, we were impoverished already, so it's not like we noticed. Uh, to, <laughs> me, to, to that, to me, it looked like they were living the life of Riley. Sure. But um, they were, we, you know, they they lived, they slept in their offices and. When we came to visit, we would um, sleep under under. They like they had like little beds underneath the desks, <laughs> and uh, we would stay in whichever under whichever desk somebody was shacking up with it at the time. Um, but there was like you know um, you know a half dozen of them living out of this office, and uh, you know there's uh, stories about how um, Greg's dad would show up with a, a with a, a sack full of uh, thrift store clothes for the the kids to wear. Um, you know, they had runaway problems. Um, it was, um, it was quite a thing, you know, obviously, uh, Greg had had some uh, success out, uh, some extra musical success, which helped uh, fund the label and they, they, they worked like slaves and, uh, but, you know, in terms of them, um, picking, uh, bands, uh, you know, they, they, uh, it had a good good track record. Now I wasn't a huge fan of the, the hardcore music and I didn't much care for, a lot of the bands that were on there, but, uh, they, um, they pushed, they, they pushed, uh, uh, pushed their thing as hard as they could until, um, and again, this is, a, um, the, 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 the situation that you get into when you're dealing with majors is as the majors begin to snap up, um, the cash cows of the indis- in independent distribution network, the independent distribution network collapsed. Yeah. And um, we basically had no choice but to sign to a major if we wanted to do records, because the way these uh, labels would work, it's like, well, you know, you're going to get the new Meat Puppets record here in next quarter, but we've also got these other four dozen records we need you to take as well. <laughs> and uh, they're not going to sell, but if you want the Meat Puppets, you got to take these as well. Wow. Without the without the linchpin artists, and I'm not talking about the Meat Puppets as much as I am talking about. You know, you, you, the bands that just as as bands started moving over to the labels, there was just not enough, um, you know, economy of scale for uh, the independent distribution networks to last. And slowly but surely, our distributors began to collapse and uh, leave leave uh, the labels holding the bag. So, um, you know, this is part of what your uh, your your capitalist uh, society does: is they snap up the the small fish. And uh, you know, dra- drain the whole thing of its of its profits and move on, yeah. like a cancer. It's like a cancer. <laughs> there we go. Um, I've I've seen various terms. You know, me puppets are one of these groups that's just it's hard to categorize. You guys are so hard to pin down. It's, are you guys still on that categorization thing? Well, we like to find out what our artists think of the categorization. So, you know, I've heard everything from. Uh, you know, cow punk to you know whatever I heard like desert punk. Yes, de- up, yeah. up on the sun. They, somebody said it should have been in Breaking Bad. Yeah, <laughs> don't forget we're we're also 
ZZ Top Jr. Don't forget that. Oh, okay, okay. okay. It's had the three-piece thing. That's what's doing that. Okay. <laughs> so I, you know, I assume, I assume by your reaction to that to that question that you're not a fan of of the you know of the everything gets sort of micro subcategorized now. It seems like if you start searching for music, because I don't know why we like you know people like to classify things. In this way, maybe I guess it's probably something about Spotify. But uh, are, are you are you guys done? Let me put it to you this way: <laughs> I could talk to you about this for hours, for days, uh, and, and and talk about my my passions, my enthusiasms, my love of music, and we would never once touch on so-called categorization, and certainly not the categorization of my band or sure. my music. Uh, each one of the the the, the band members. Uh, comes at, at their their uh, their interest from a um, widely different area i mean uh each one of us has has different interests and now that we're a five piece that continues to be the case we oh, just so. um we, we just have a very wide scope um chris and kurt can play anything as long as they can you know as, as they put their mind to it um and we just never i, I don't under I, I i could tell you this much I don't understand what other people are like. So when other people ask me, why are you the way you are? All I can say is, why am I not the way I am? <laughs> How are you? Why, why are you the way you are? Right. Why do you, why do you think about things in terms that you do? So when, uh, when people come to me and say, could you answer for my limitations of thought? All I can say is I'm dealing with my own limitations of thought here, dude. I can't <laughs> speak for you. Fair enough. So I, I honestly, um, I, I wish there were more hours in a day so we could be even more diverse and even less categorizationable because uh, we like to make music. Um, I, when I'm not working, I'm like making music these days. I'm just like really into it, and um, sound is fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. Even what? podcast sound is fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I uh, I noticed my initial discovery of you guys was on John Stewart with Lake of Fire, uh, Alicia yep. Silverstone sitting over there on the couch, and you're playing this Yamaha kit. Is that your kit of choice through this era and still today? Uh, yes, I still play that Yamaha kit. I was one of the. I was able to get a uh, get a, uh, a a deal on uh, from them. Nice. And they, so that was, I still have that one. Uh, I used to, to rock a really nice, uh, Gretsch plum kit, but it, uh, slowly but surely warped because, uh, I would take it out all the time. Uh, then I would bring it back to, to the desert where it's super dry. And, uh, eventually it just like got so brittle and stuff. The Yamaha's is, is more of a composite. And so it's, it's a little bit more sturdy. And it, it held up better. I tried pulling my Gretsch out again when I first went out, and it just sounded like crap. <laughs> so I said, well, I guess I'll stick with the Yamaha. But, uh, yeah. Well, there's something I want to highlight. On the website, on y'all's website at the bottom, in the America's Most Wanted section, which is a great read, by the way, um, you've got the, the clips and everything that you've edited together from everything from yeah. the throwing a dummy out of a car doesn't seem to be that big of a crime to me. Crime to me. <laughs> yep. Crime to me. Yeah. I love that stuff. So tell our listeners kind of how you put all that together. <laughs> well, first of all, um, in 1986, we, we, we were traveling with a, a sound, uh, a, 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 a high school friend of mine who uh, had a, you know, had, had also had an interest in mixing and engineering. We took him along as a sound man. In um, the course of a summer, he uh, slammed 
uh, our guitarist Kurt's finger in the door and broke it in two places, oh. uh, side sidelining our business for about three months. Wow. And then he uh, became increasingly uh, uptight <laughs> with, with us and I, us with him. And um, we stuck with him until uh, our, uh, the Minutemen's sound man, uh, Dave O'Klassen became available. And then we, uh, we pirated him, moved him to Phoenix and had him join our little organization. Okay. And Dave O uh, was our, uh, our main support guy from 1987 to the time we stopped in 1995. And um, one of the things that he used to do was do a lot of live dub effects for us uh, on, uh, and you can hear a lot of that, like the echo that you mentioned. Um, he, you know, he, play, he worked with us every night. He uh, mixed us every night and it's so great to uh, travel with your own uh, mixing engineer, Absolutely, which yeah. we don't do anymore, which is a real shame. So now and you're at the mercy of whatever house engineer is. Whoever oh they God. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, definitely. And, uh, but he, you know, he was also interested in psychedelics as we were, and he used to throw this kind of, um, ish into the mix. Plus of course, like the, like the huge deadhead that he was. Um, he used to make sure he got good board tapes of all of all oh, of these shows. Yeah, so I've yeah. got like crates and crates and crates of board tapes. That's awesome. I managed to um, leverage uh, some of them to do the Live in Montana album back in uh, 1999, which is uh, just a mixture of, of two different board tapes from Montana, one tour in '88. But I also um, have called them over the years for different stuff. And one of the things we did in like 1990 and even, even a little bit before is we had uh, a passage, uh, which is basically like meat puppet style space, like the, the dead would do. And uh, it was based on uh, the, uh, the, the TV show uh, America's most wanted. And also the TV show Webster and uh, we would um, we would hit hit like a final note of a song like uh, um, "Swimming Ground," and then instead of just stopping, we would start to space out. And we had um, Chris had uh, onboard effects, so you can hear his, him rocking crazy effects on his uh, bass. And uh, Kurt always had effects; he's a guitarist. Oh. And I had a little um, little drum machine that I would uh, bring along and, and plug into. And so while uh, we would go eight-ish with noise, Kurt would intone uh, things about Webster or Tony <laughs> Playboy, who was in um, um, America's Most Wanted, uh, and other, other criminals. And uh, then finally, a couple years later, a couple years ago, I finally grabbed all that stuff and mixed it into one hour-long suite of noise, <laughs> kind of like the... Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the infrared roses album that Jerry Garcia did in which he takes a whole bunch of um, space from the dead and mixes that together into one big long suite. Wow. No, I'm not also, familiar with that, but now I'm going to have to search that out for sure. There's also one that uh, the fellows from plunder phonics did uh, with, uh, with dark star, they call it gray folded. And they basically take versions of dark star from like the dead's entire history and mix that all into one great big wow. single piece. So wow. uh, that was just my attempt to do that as well. That's really <laughs> fascinating. Well, catch us up to speed as far as uh, the the latest album, 2019 and beyond. What's 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 coming down the pike? Um, you know, from you guys. What are the what are the plans on the horizon? 
Well, um, obviously we did Dusty Notes. We recorded it in 2018. In fact, um, they had originally recorded the basics with their other drummer, who then uh, moved to Europe, and that's how I joined. And Kurt was like, um, we want you to help us finish this record. I'm like, cool. Uh, and then it turns out that he was just going to wipe the existing drum tracks, and I was going to play to a click track to the tracks that they had recorded a couple months previous, uh-huh. which was fine. Uh, came out really good. And we did that record. We toured it in 2019. Um, I continued to uh, get board tapes wherever I could. Um, we went to, we did like three small jaunts around the U.S., and then we went to Europe. We met up with a fella in uh, Manchester who videotaped the show and also got a proper recording of it, like better than a board tape, you know, a uh, multi-track recording. And when COVID came down, we were like, well, all of our tours, uh, everything's got canceled for 2020. So some of the promoters are like, well, maybe you guys have some live footage you can kick our way and we can throw it on, uh, on our websites to try to just keep the pump primed. And uh, that never happened. But I did say, you know, these people who have got these uh, recordings of us, I need to call these boats in. And so I reached out to this guy, said, cough up the the, the stuff. <laughs> and uh, eventually I got a hold of the, the multi-tracks and uh, put together a, a, a uh, I had some, some, uh, some tracks. One a fellow from uh, DC Jam Records wanted to fund a track for a compilation that he was doing. And our manager put him in touch with me and I said, how about this? And um, he says, this is stuff is great. I'd like to do a whole record of it. So I put together a album's worth of, you know, a vinyl album's worth of basically uh, improv, you know, improvs off songs, which mm-hmm. is to say 10 minute versions of right. Up on the Sun or whatever, which we had been working on because just like the Webster jams, we still do a lot of live improv and a lot live space it's an important part of our uh, our shows and i had wanted to do a a, uh, a you know a kind of a souvenir of our first big tour as a as this current five piece because it was coming up with such interesting stuff <clears throat> so i was delighted to have the opportunity to release this and this is actually came out it's coming out for you too but it came out for your audience on may 6th of 2022 and um, the initial release was a limited edition um, picture sleeve vinyl, and hopefully that'll sell out so fast that we can uh, release you know, the other uh, pressings of it, or maybe release it in other formats. But yeah. our, uh, our our first live album since um, well, the, the band has done two live albums before. We did the, uh, uh, some shows from ni- 1988, and uh, then Kurt did one. Uh, with his first, you know, post trio meat puppets, mm-hmm. he had started a band called the Royal Neanderthal Orchestra, and the uh, the re- he tried to get the the record company to release an album by it, and they were by them, and they were like, not unless you change the name to Meat Puppets. So wow. he did, and they still refused to release it. <laughs> so <laughs> he wound up getting it um, getting released from that contract and putting it out somewhere else. But that band eventually. Um, disbanded and then kurt uh put out a solo record and then he got back together with chris and they reformed the meat puppets in like what about 2007 i think it is right on there 2006 2007 yeah, 2006, 2007 yeah but this is the first live album that has been done 
with this group, which is the five-piece featuring Elmo Kirkwood on the lead guitar and Ron Stabinski on keyboards, along with me, uh, Kurt and Chris. And we raise a hell of a noise, and I couldn't be more excited about this record. And uh, I can imagine it's uh, just in adding something to your already uh, bombastic sound. I mean, <laughs> even as early as, you know, 85, Live at the Stone, it's, it's, it's never... Uh, you haven't let off the gas. It doesn't sound like. It sounds like you're you're moving forward, even. Oh yeah, I hope so. I mean, I, there are certain things you can't do anymore at age sixty that you could do at age twenty five, no problem. <laughs> but all you got to do is is uh, what you what you do is as you as, when your when your fingers are really fired up, what you want to do is you want to use that to attract the chicks, and then what you do is you knock one of them up, and then. <laughs> You raise yourself a second set of, of fingers right. that you can then bring on tour with you when you're 60 to fill in the parts that you can't play anymore. That's awesome. It's so the it's perfect, perfect plan. strategy. That's, that's, that's what they teach you in all the books. Just yeah. That <laughs> all those how to make yeah. it in the music how industry books. Yeah, like that, that, that's Rockstar 101. Yeah, seriously. The idiot's Guide to Rockstar Life. Yeah, yeah that's good. That's, that's awesome. it. Well, you anyway, Elmo is, is like a tremendous guitarist. He's like um, a sponge with that shit. And Ron has been playing music since he was two. Um, he can play anything. He's, you know, he he um, is in nine hundred bands. So uh, we're lucky to have him. Well, how good of a whistler is Elmo? I mean, how's he going to do on Maiden's Milk? Can he carry the whistle parts with you guys? Yeah, we. I don't think we've talked Kurt into doing that one. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, yeah, in terms of uh, you guys have been. This has been fun. Thanks for hanging out with us, Derek. We uh, sure. We uh, we have one question that we ask everybody. So okay. when you're on tour. Um, I'm guessing with the meat puppets or doing some, some solo drum stuff, whatever you're, when you're on tour and you go into a gas station, what is your gas station snack food of choice? And while you're thinking of it, I'll tell you mine. I get a three musketeers bar. Um, when I was growing up, my mom would say, you can have any candy bar you want. And I get a three musketeers bar cause it's the most ounces. What is your gas station snack food of choice? Well, uh, I am a vegan. So you're opening another, uh, 45 minute can of words. <laughs> So uh, when it comes to that kind of stuff, usually I'm going to go with uh, up, up just a bag of cashews or something. Okay, uh, Classic. I have worked for Whole Foods for 20 years. Okay. So um, looking at the uh, the, the uh, food that's available in a uh, in a gas station generally doesn't excite me. But I can <laughs> tell you that after a gig, when we get back to the hotel, we will like all traipse to the to the convenience store because we're all starving. It's two o'clock in the morning, and we will dump the, on, on, onto the counter the most motley uh, collection of garbage you've ever seen. <laughs> the, the, these guys will eat the hot dogs from a uh, from a convenience store oh, the from a gas food. station. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Me, I, uh, <laughs> I I'll get some some water and a bag of nuts, and usually that's about it. There you go. That's good. I'm not, solid I'm protein. Not fun, man. Yeah, <laughs> that's very non-drummerish. That's a <laughs> that's good though. Yeah, yeah. Well, man, um, thank you so much for for joining us today. Uh, we, it's been a real treat to talk to you and to just get to recall some of these things, uh, you know, straight from the source. It's it's always a pleasure, Derek. Thank you so much, man. Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure and an honor, and thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, we'll uh, we'll connect back with you when we're you know getting ready to release the episode and uh, you know that kind of thing. And, and then we can do the social media log roll. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll, we will uh, corral you in to do whatever social media log roll you are willing to do. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks Have a great day, Derek. All right, guys. Have a good day. Appreciate it. Thanks. Cheers. Bye-bye.
This is the Great Song Podcast. And that was Derek Bostrom of the Meat Puppets. I'm sorry to everyone that is now that we've now revealed that we are posers. <laughs> you guys know this by now. Um, but you know, we're like uh 10 miles wide and a couple inches deep on a lot of our music knowledge. You know what I mean? We're not like well, I'm we're not punk, dude. We're not <laughs> punk. Um, nor can we pretend to be, but we appreciate what we appreciate. I'm wearing a Christopher Cross t-shirt today, for <laughs> goodness are. sake. That's right. That's about where we are. And Rob's we're, wearing a Braves hat. That's right. We're cover, we're covering we're covering one of the great like you know uh, punk influence acts uh, wearing Christopher Cross merch. So <laughs> that's about right for us on brand. So all right, um, man. Season ten's been awesome. This has been so great. I can't believe we get to do this. Uh, and we're gonna go next week. Straight Straight back into one of your absolute favorites. Um, and uh, so it's going to be awesome. All right. We'll see you guys next week with another amazing song. Until then, I'm Rob. I'm JP. Go listen to some music.